0: This is the Blaze Radio on demand. Will Kane, S E Cop, R. Kane. Kane and Cop only on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: I'm outraged. Rarely am, but I'm outraged this morning. I'm outraged about how conservatism is treated as though it's an abnormality in mainstream media. I know, I know, you guys have all. Heard this, said this, been outraged about it by yourselves, but it's, got, it's really it's really gotten to me in the past, I don't know, 48 hours.
2: You know it's a problem when you're outraged because you really do lead sort of like a monotone life. Monastic? Um, No, that's a totally different thing.
1: Oh. Uh, totally not- different. Monotone. But that that suggests I wear the same color all day every
2: day. Also, something totally different. But anyway, <laughs> you you're you're pretty even keeled. You don't get whereas I'm outraged by everything. Right. You really have to get worked up to right. you know for something to register. So you know that you know that this is um this is a big deal because you're so upset about it.
1: I'll be outraged in our second hour today.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for that. <laughs>
1: Uh, But we're going to start this morning.
2: Wait, Will, before you start. Oh. Just so people are aware, I'm actually, I'm in D.C. today. You are in New York today. Mm-hmm. We don't need to pretend. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't, don't need to pretend we're in the same room. We're not. So I wasn't. I'm, I, but, <laughs> but what I want to know is, what are you wearing? Because I can still judge you from D.C. and I will.
1: Can we just clip that and, uh, and cut it and use it as a drop? <laughs> What um,
2: are you wearing?
1: I'm shortsing it up, man. It's shorts all over this place. Just shorts, Stop shorts, it. shorts, shorts, shorts.
3: No.
2: Stop it.
1: No, I'm fully panted this morning. It's getting cold. I'm fully Wait, panted. so
2: I need more. What are you What are you wearing? Jeans. Uh, jeans?
1: Jeans. Even a sweater. Uh,
2: and a sweater? Yeah. Is it really a sweater, or is it like a sweater is like an undersweater? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a thin sweater.
2: Okay. You got uh, a hat on? I do have a hat on. Okay. Just yeah. want the I just want the full picture yeah. to, to know if I need to judge you from D.C. Yeah. Sounds like you're okay. <laughs> it's funny. I'm not quite as curious. So I'm not going <laughs> to return the question.
1: <laughs> hey, can we start? Before we start this morning talking about the NFL, I have a question, okay? A genuine curiosity. Um, Essie, you know we've had a segment, at least in the past, called Ask a Black Guy. And we've used this <laughs> yeah. as an opportunity to bridge our racial divides and just indulge our curiosities. Hey, white guys, what is the deal with the dancing? Like, like beyond the cliche, why, 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 why can't you dance? Um, <laughs> and we've used this as an opportunity. I have a question this morning, and it's not ask a black guy. I would like to ask uh, a Latino guy. All right, oh. and and I don't know how many people listening are Latino, Mexican American, Central American. Whatever. 888-900-3393. Here's my question. I'm riding the train this morning, and I notice and it's not, it's not the This is first, making me nervous. <laughs> this is not the first time I've noticed this, but there is a trend in Latino hairstyles that I need explained to me, and it is this. It's the embrace of the, um, of the, the clear, clean hairline. Do you know what I'm talking about? So, if you have a widow's peak, you shave the widow's peak off. There will be no widow's peak. It's only a a a very very symmetrical line across the forehead. And then also, uh there was two guys on the train One had one was sporting that, and the other, he had long hair. And but around the 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 edges of his his temples and his front of his forehead and down the sides about a half inch he had shaved, like like I'd say with like a two guard or a three guard, right? Uh, on a on a hair clipper. So he had a half inch of shaved hair before uh his long hair was pulled back. And these are not the first times I've seen these hairstyles. These are these are very popular hairstyles. And I would just like to know, eight eight, eight, nine hundred, three three nine three, uh what's going on with that hairstyle? Like do you do you do you go, look at that white guy and his asymmetrical hairline, it's so stupid. <laughs> Why? Why so popular? What is... What, what's going on? Like, I, 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 don't, I don't understand. Please explain it to me. That's my Ask a Latino question this morning.
2: Oh, good. Okay. Good. Are you nervous? Did it... <laughs> I was a little nervous.
1: I stuck the I landing. I stuck the landing, right?
2: <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. Sure.
1: Well, while the phone lines light up on that question... <laughs> yeah. Let's turn to the NFL. Because, um, apparently, there is a crisis in the NFL. A massive... Um, prevalent ever-present crisis of domestic violence, assault, and general violence in the NFL. And this is something that we must address. Yes, Essie?
2: Yeah, I mean, if you watch the news, it certainly sounds like there's a crisis in the NFL, and it certainly sounds like the NFL has a particular problem with domestic violence that needs to be addressed.
1: The funny thing about that is... Um,
2: you, you don't mean funny, ha, ha
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, funny, curious, yeah. it's not
4: true.
2: Right.
1: I mean, if you use your analytical abilities and employ them only driven by m- mainstream media, mass media stories, then, oh, you would certainly believe there is a, m- an incredibly prevalent problem. I mean, you can name two or three examples, right? I mean, Ray Rice, Adrian Peterson, Jonathan Dwyer of the Arizona Cardinals. But, oh, the data doesn't seem to suggest this. And last week on our program when Jay Feely was sitting with us, he brought this up casually, and I hadn't seen it at that point, but I went back and saw on 538, the website owned by ESPN, run by Nate Silver, that somebody had actually compiled the data, and it shows that no matter what category you're talking about, assault, domestic violence, um, NFL players are much better law-abiding citizens than the general public. All of these crimes are committed by NFL players at a greatly reduced rate ...than the rest of the population, and if that is so, why, does it, why are we operating under the assumption the NFL has a unique and prevalent problem that must be addressed?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, listen, I mean, that, that tends to happen, I remember, around the, um, the stories of abuse in the Catholic Church. You would have thought that in the Catholic Church there was a greater prevalence of child molestation than in the general population... You would have thought that priests were predisposed to this because people were talking about well celis- celibacy creates this problem, and in fact the numbers just didn't bear that out. So is that, you know, that right? That I, haven't, I haven't seen those numbers. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, the numbers absolutely don't bear that out. Um, there is no greater prevalence within the Catholic Church of child abuse than in the general population, but that's not what that's not what you'd think if you. You know, listened to the media stories. The problem is, I think both with that, with with that story, with this story, I think while the numbers show clearly that the NFL does not have a bigger problem with domestic violence than the general population, people, I think rightly, want NFL players, handsomely paid athletes who live a life of privilege, they get to play a game for a living and get paid really well to do it, to be held to a higher standard. And if we're holding them to a higher standard, that means that everyone from Roger Goodell to the Baltimore Ravens, who we now know saw this tape a lot earlier than, than we thought they did, um, we want them to take this really seriously. And it didn't, from the, from the get-go, it didn't feel like the nfl was taking this seriously and now we know that the baltimore ravens were also trying to mitigate this problem defend ray rice keep this sort of um on the down low and and that's just not the way these things should be handled if you if you're proud of the low frequency of domestic abuse within your organization then you handle these things quickly and seriously and you don't allow these these stories to get out of control. And that's what's happened. It's gotten out of control. Yeah, the I, don't, story. I
1: don't think that's – It's, it's uh, that's for sure that it's gotten out of control. Um, you know, I don't think that the people that are outraged about this story are outraged about what you just pointed out, that the original suspension was not um, sufficient, that two games was an embarrassment of a suspension. Um, I would say, secondly, the NFL is living up to a higher standard. If the statistics show that the players are committing all category of crimes at lower rates than society, they are living up to a higher standard. And so I give you as evidence that people are are not pointing to the suspension as their source of outrage, that they're not really satiated by extending Ray Rice's outrage. Look, I'll put it this way. Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi spoke out on this, and she seemed incredibly to have opinions on uh, a San Francisco Forty Nineer player, Ray McDonald, who had not been suspended yet by by the San Francisco Forty ers Listen,
3: let's see what they do. No, uh, now th- our coach says that you know, innocent until do we have that? guilty, due process, all of that. But the fact is, he shouldn't have played.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I heard that.
1: Um, I, I can't believe Nancy Pelosi yeah. has an opinion on on this. But what I would suggest—wait, you, is- you can't. Well, actually, you're right. I can you can't. I-,
2: I mean, Washington weighs in on whether or not the Redskins should be called a certain name. Donald Sterling. I mean, politicians politicians weigh into these cultural issues all the time.
1: Um, yeah, you're right. I, I mean, I, I take that back. There, there's no there's no issue that escapes a politicians' opinion. But what <laughs> what I would suggest to you is Nancy Pelosi isn't invested in whether or not someone should be playing the game or not, and whether or not somebody should be um suspended for two games or not. There's something deeper. That's what I think. I think when you start extrapolating this beyond simply Ray Rice and you start having conversations about the NFL's prevalent problem, there's a deeper thing that's being attacked. And I think what's being attacked, I think the true source of this isn't even in the end. I don't think it's the NFL. I think there is a an effort to address um well, to address masculinity. I think yeah. that that men in the end um are are really what needs to be reformed in these people's minds mm-hmm. it's not just football it's not just the violence in the sport it's not just the nfl it's men that's the issue well, here I,
2: you know i i agree and i have something let's take a break and come back to that because i have something on that as well something from the view that i think will lead uh lend credence to your theory let's take a break after this Kane and cup
5: this is Kane and cup on the blaze radio network
0: Will Kane and Se Cup return?
1: All right, so uh, so Chris on Twitter just sent me a picture of himself. What he said? He's got to look fresh every day. He's Latino, and he is he is doing uh, one of the hairstyles I'm talking about. And now, Jose, oh. can you can you hop on, Jose? Uh, I am here. Tell so the shaving of the widow's peak. You you told me this is called a
6: shape up. Yeah, that's that's a shape up. That's been around since I was a teenager. But you also said bo- boxing out, right? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a boxed out look. It's, uh, re- the edge is really sharp.
1: Right. Yeah. So no widow's peak, but also like around the corners of the temples and exactly. down the side. That's real straight lined. Yeah, yes? that,
6: that that's a shape up. That's a shape up. That's very popular. Mm-hmm. The other thing you were describing, I'm not sure what that is.
1: Yeah, the edge <laughs> around the entire front line of the forehead and sides. That's like a, a, a shavy, not gone. It's not down to the skin. It's like a three guard. And then the length behind that is much longer.
6: Yeah, I'm not aware what that is. Okay, we got to figure
1: Although I have seen it. We got to figure that out this morning, too. So 888 900 3393 or Mysteries on Will Twitter <laughs> at WillKane at SC Cup. Um, all right, SC. So, we're talking about the NFL crisis really means it's something much deeper than a two game suspension.
2: Yeah, you know, this reminds me I've obviously been watching all of this coverage as you have been and as our, our listeners have been. And. There are certain times when you'll see someone um, who's a pundit say something and you think, gosh, that's why people think that anyone can do this job. (laughs) Because whether it's someone opining about guns and not knowing what kind of guns they're talking about, or someone just rattling off an opinion that's totally uninformed and so lazily uninformed, you're just like... Well, that's why people think any jerk can do this job. And actually, to do this job well, I mean, I take it pretty responsibly, so do you. To do this job well, you don't just have to have an opinion. Ideally, it would be informed, and ideally, um, you know, maybe you do a little homework first. But um, not so. Not so for everyone. I don't think everyone takes this job quite as seriously. Uh, Our friend Rosie O'Donnell over at The View this week, debut week, had some opinions on the NFL. Here's what she had to say. What's
1: interesting to me is that we as a country support football. Uh And they've had studies that show it's life-threatening to every player. They have traumatic brain injuries. They're taking steroids, which really changes their judgment. They're encouraged and paid to be violent. Same with fighters, with boxers. They live in an arena of... It would be wonderful if they were able to separate the violence of their job with the violence in their life. But I don't think that's how human brains work. And believe me, I don't excuse any violence towards anyone. Uh But I do understand how a guy who knocks people over and pushes them down for a living and Uh gets cheered Uh might do that in his private life, even though it's wrong. But that (laughs) that is how the human brain works. It can separate. Isn't that amazing. At least the advanced, evolved human brain can separate between right and wrong. And believe it or not, football players are very advanced, uh, evolved human beings. Because they but, have violence by... involved in their job, doesn't mean they can't separate their job from their life. And oh, guess what? By the way, the statistics support me.
2: Right. That's. I mean, by her logic, every player in the NFL would be hitting their wives. Right. By by her logic, I would guess soldiers would also have a greater. Uh, incident of of domestic abuse because you you might call their jobs violent um it just doesn't make i mean it doesn't make any sense it doesn't even make a little sense and it doesn't bother it doesn't bother her i guess that it's an uninformed opinion not backed up by statistics that really you you, you indicts an entire population of people without attention to the facts,
1: you know, I'll give Rosie this at a at a, at a gut level, at like a, a, an instinctual, unthinking level. It makes sense. Right. And no, I, but
2: that's my she, point. I that's know that's why your point. everyone I, thinks right. that anyone I, can do this job because it's just your gut and your instinct. That's not that's right. this job.
1: I know that's your point. And what I was going to say is she's not the first person I've heard say that, by the way. Right. I've heard that mm-hmm. on, on the streets and casual conversations at, at the bar. Um, but the truth right. is. It's not true. And you're saying if you have a microphone, you have a duty to find out if that's true or not.
2: She's got a big microphone. That's a big microphone. And what you're talking about is a pretty serious thing. And I just think if we we, we should we should take a lot more care with the way that we have this conversation, because it does matter. It really does matter. And if we want to get to the bottom of any of this, then we have to start. By being honest, and we have to start with the facts and well, not just uh, uh, throwing our gut opinion out there for everyone to to, to hear.
1: Well, the getting to the bottom of it, I think, is almost what we're looking at as statistical aberrations. We're looking at very horrible acts by bad men. Ray Rice did a terrible thing and it indicts his character from top to bottom. Jonathan Dwyer the same. We have debates over what's going on with Adrian Peterson whether or not that's child abuse or domestic or or, or disciplinary action, acceptable disciplinary action, or at least legal disciplinary action. But what I'm telling you is the the reaction from from talkstow stages to the halls of Congress towards the Ray Rice situation has very little to do with a two-game suspension or whether or not that should have been a six-game suspension. It has very little to do with the statistics and whether or not the NFL truly has a problem. Because if you go down the line on every one of these steps and you say, well, Nancy Pelosi, she doesn't really have an informed opinion on two games versus six games. And, and the NFL, according to statistics, doesn't really have an out-of-proportion problem to society. What are we really getting at? And what I am is that we're getting at uh, an, an attack, essentially an indictment of masculinity. And I'm not reading between lines when I can turn it on ESPN and see ESPNW columnist Kate Fagan saying exactly that. The real problem here is how we raise men. Listen.
7: Domestic violence is, is is something that happens in anger, in the moment, and it's, it's very unlikely that perpetrators of domestic violence are worried about whether it's going to be a 2, a 6, or a 12-game suspension. This is behavior that is happening at the grassroots level that is born through years of our culture, like, raising men to want to not be like women and using language like sissy, and you throw like a girl that demean women, invest millions of dollars in grassroots organizations in going into middle schools and high schools and colleges and talking to young men about dealing with anger about how they treat women. I think that's where you're gonna see change. I think that right now all of this reactive behavior is not going to change it as much as going in and and going into the school systems and the younger spaces and really reprogramming how we raise men.
1: There it is, reprogramming how we raise men. That's the only way to really address this, because the problem in the end is men.
2: Well, Rosie certainly thinks so. It's men.
1: All right. When we come back, let's go to the uh, sub-conversation here. Discipline.
0: You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Up. Welcome back to & Cup. I'm Will Kane. I'm SC Cup. Uh, I see, uh, I got somebody on the line to help me answer my questions about hairstyles.
2: Oh, good. That was... <laughs> good.
1: Chris in Florida is a barber, and he can help me out understanding some of the trends. Hey, in there you hairstyles. go.
6: Expert caller. Mm-hmm.
3: Hey,
6: Cup, uh, you don't sound so uh, happy about this topic. What's that? Cup doesn't sound so happy about this topic.
1: Oh, Cup doesn't sound so happy. I like that you just drop her first name. Cup doesn't sound so happy.
2: It's it's not that I'm but, not happy. I I don't. I am having trouble picturing what Will is talking about.
1: I'm gonna try to find and, a picture.
2: Yeah, send me a picture. That way, I'll know.
6: Because uh, here's the thing: um, it runs in my family. It's, it It is from generation to generation. My uh, great grandfather passed it down to my grandfather. My grandfather. What it down what to does my what
2: runs in your family? The barber.
6: The barber. Being a oh okay okay so um when they, they were talking about that i got a message from lisa she was like hey they're talking about barbershops i'm like oh sweet and i think what we we're talking about is it doesn't have a name but it's a real big thing now in the latino community which is a blow up what it does is um it's just like name your hair gets blown up and then those uh just edges, just lines that you're talking about. It's just the barber's way of expressing himself. It's like it's the barber oh. expressing himself. For example, yesterday when I went to the barbershop, shop, the guy wanted one, and the bar the guy told the barber, "Hey, go crazy." So the guy did some lines and the lower back shaved. Right. And then where your hair hairline, you know, when you go bald, you get that hairline. They grab a zero and they just shave it, just one line through it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um and- uh, yeah, th- so I uh, appreciate the call, Chris. I I'm wondering it's like it's, it's like taking your hairline back about half an inch. That's what it is. Across the whole front side of your hair. Just taking your hairline back about half an inch. Um it's interesting. Hmm. I don't know. Uh let's keep to talking. You.
2: It's interesting to you.
1: <laughs> I'm going to send you a picture and if you don't find this fascinating then I just I'm having okay, trouble. Okay, yeah, send me a picture. Yeah, having-
2: hey, you know what this reminds me of? We we have a friend in common. You know Jesse Kelly. Yeah. Jesse Kelly, uh ran for Congress in Arizona. For Marine, all-around good guy, he and I exchange pictures regularly of phenomenal hairdos as we travel. So I'll, like, randomly get a photo from him, texted to me, of, like, an amazing mullet. Or I'll send him a great picture from an airport of, like, a a fantastic, like, rat tail.
1: (laughs) The rat tail? I hadn't seen a rat tail in a while.
2: Oh, I have a catalog of photos between Jesse and I. I'll send you. Um, it's so it's a thing. It's a thing. I mean, I'm I'm interested in hairstyles. I'm interested in weird hairstyles. I just I'm having trouble with this one. You got to send me a picture.
1: Okay, uh, let's keep talking about for the NFL and uh, and the domestic uh, the the issue of domestic violence. How prevalent is it, and and what's at the source of this of this real um, national conversation we're having now? I've got R Magic, quite a name from Kentucky. Um, R Magic. What do you say?
4: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Cup. Co- Ms. Kane? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry, what? Like no, Never reverse
2: it. Reverse that? <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Reverse it.
4: That's what I get <laughs> for having coffee in my mouth.
2: It's early, um, man. That's okay.
4: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. First time caller and an occasional listener, but usually I catch you guys on the blaze. And, um, uh, Mr. Kane, sorry I missed Ask a Black Guy Day. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> um,
2: SoundCloud. NFL. SoundCloud. Our magic, go to SoundCloud. <laughs>
4: Um, since you work in media, you understand that it presents a disproportionate view of reality. Right. Um, part of what's going on is, I suspect, there's an element of the population that would rather focus on the NFL than what's really going on in the rest of the world. Um, as I often said, that about every fifty to seven years we have this blowout between good and evil, and we're about due. Any rate, back to what you were saying with the NFL. Um, I think you were talking about, um, was it uh, criminologist uh, Alfred Bloomstein who did the study in 1999 that um, the NFL players have a domestic rate that's essentially half that of the general population. Um, as a matter of fact, I think there was something in that to uh, USA Today. And also, um, overall, their crime rate in the NFL was... A, Approximately thirteen percent of the national average. So, Wait, so if the statistics overall,
1: suggest this, why are we having a national conversation about this in this problem in the NFL?
4: I am, I have a theory, and and let me lay it out. It's kind of like a four four part equation. Oh boy, we, it's a three oh hour boy. show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me let me get to it as quickly as possible because I'm sure, short on time. Um, <laughs> a basically, human beings are prone to examples of experiences that, that are easily recalled. So the idea that if they can remember it, it must be important, and everybody has some experience with someone, a friend of a friend with domestic abuse.
1: That's right. Okay, B. immediacy bias, kind of. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, exactly. Uh, B, feminism is, in my view, a function of liberalism, and part of the problem with – and to remember, the 1980s feminists are not the same as the feminists of this newer generation. They're different animals. But feminism, and I'm not calling women animals. Oh, that is so going to be taken out of context. Anyway, feminism is a function of liberalism. And what's happening now is to elevate women, you must tear down men and male structures. C, Um, as I said before, the media is a disproportionate uh, representation of reality. And the last part, uh, the NFL commissioner, which would be part D. I'm doing this off the top of my head. The biggest mistake he made... (laughs) Was going after the female market in the first place. Football is an interest to male sports. Men and women are different. Uh, So no matter how much money you spend, you're only going to get a certain amount of female um, target audience. And that's it. It's just not going to happen. And one of the things that I have observed is when you do PC appeasements to the left, it's the same. Um, You keep feeding everybody alligators to keep feeding other people to the alligator or the crocodile but eventually the crocodile will eat you. The left is going after the NFL, plain and simple.
1: All right, I appreciate, I appreciate our magic four points. I think I, I, uh, I like them all. I agree with almost, to some extent, all of them, except I'm not sure about the last one. Um, yeah, the, I, I don't
2: think it's the left that's, that's only making noise about this, and I, and I don't think the NFL is capitulating. I think the NFL has a huge PR problem and probably hasn't capitulated enough. Which is the problem? Had they, had they, I think, taken this more seriously from the beginning, this could have been avoided. And I don't think but the has gotten out of control.
1: I don't think the NFL is running scared of losing its female fan base right now. I no. don't think that the problem no. is it, it became too inclusive in its fan base. Now it's worried about losing portion of it. I think the NFL is dealing with um, it's a massive media onslaught. Yeah,
2: that's what yeah, and not dealing with it well, and not dealing with it well. Look, there's you know there's a a pretty standard textbook way to handle these problems first of all the nfl should have a protocol in place you to deal with these scenarios Are you and eating? they don't yeah i'm eating a banana get over it i'm 7 months pregnant this is radio <laughs> i can't i can't deny my baby my unborn child food just because i happen to be on the air <laughs> Just because I happen to be...
1: You f- uh, sorry. It's, uh, this, the they, this child should be proud because you're offending the ears of thousands of people for his benefit.
2: I don't think people could, could hear my banana. I could. but <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll apologize to everyone in advance for eating. For the next few months, I'll be eating on the air. I can't help it. Um, I forget what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> the nfl (laughs) no look what's missing what was missing from the beginning is a standard protocol the fact that they'll say well we'll figure it out when it happens how many games whether we take it seriously or not that's uh, problem number one that sets you up for um criticism that these are judgment calls when it should really just be pretty standard you should have a policy in place this is the policy End of story. And um, I think that the NFL should have taken a, a more serious stand. And now they're bringing in these women to, like, educate the NFL as if the problem was that no one in the NFL knew That domestic violence was not a good thing? That's not the problem. I mean, all of this is just like window dressing and PR stuff and and not good PR stuff. I don't know who is doing their crisis comms, but it is driving me crazy.
1: Well, what I would suggest is even if the NFL had handled the original suspension in a way Mm. that pleased you, that wouldn't have pleased or satiated the critics, because if if the data and the two games versus six games – we're truly the thing. We wouldn't be having these conversations about the, the broader problem in society. There is a, there is, there's a there's a bigger target here than Ray Rice. Well, and what
2: bothers me, what bothers me now is that we're conflating all of this, right? The Adrian Peterson story with right. the Ray Rice story. Right. It's all somehow part of a greater problem. I don't understand the connection. What is the connection?
1: Well, the the answer to that would be domestic violence, and then that raises the question, is Adrian Peterson guilty of domestic violence? Um well, uh, well, let's have that conversation. Let's have that conversation. Let's take a quick break. Let's talk about corporal punishment because I have some very strong opinions on corporal punishment on Kane and Cup.
2: Oh boy. This
0: is Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: You know, I see. I don't know that you and I have talked about this. We've hinted around about it, um, you know, when we're hanging out in, in the green rooms of television studios or whatever. Um, but corporal punishment, whether or not spanking is okay. Now, the Adrian well, I know
2: Well, I know how you feel about it because you've talked to me about it.
1: I have, and I think I've probably talked about it on the air as well. That yeah. I, I believe spanking is an appropriate tool to have in your toolbox in disciplining your children. Um, mm-hmm. The Adrian Peterson case is certainly. Reignited that debate. Now, whether or not Adrian Peterson is guilty of child abuse is almost a separate debate from the one it seems to have ignited. And whether or not a sp- there's anything to distinguish spanking from hitting a child. Now, those that believe spanking, carte blanche, is child abuse, don't even use the word spanking. They will call it hitting a child. Mm-hmm, and I've had this mm-hmm. debate. And And they they seem to think they've stumbled on a wonderful, logical little conundrum where it's not okay to hit a full-grown woman, but it is okay to hit a child, Mm -hmm. uh, comparing Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson cases, right? And for those that seem to think they've found some cute little logical conundrum, you haven't. If you see no distinction between a spank and beating your wife, there's no place logic is going to take us that can bring us together. This is not going to work, that conversation. Um, I do not believe spanking is, is abuse in any form, but largely this is what I would suggest to you, I see. And I'm curious if you think this will be part of your parenting style. And I, if it's not, I think that's perfectly fine, mm-hmm. but largely the nature of corporal punishment and whether or not it is good or bad is dictated by the mindset of the parent. If a parent is doing something emotionally, angrily, to cathartically get out of their system an emotion they're holding on to, you're probably on very thin ice, probably going overboard. Uh, but as a very uh, rational, dispassionate tool, it is effective. Children know it's in the lineup. They know the progression. If you lay it out correctly, if you do this, then this happens. If you do this, then this happens. And what I've found is you don't have to spank very much. Is it something you think that you guys? I don't know if you want to talk about this. Is it something that you guys think that? Uh, that and, and and you're you're still months away, or you're years mm-hmm. away. You're years away. You don't tend to spank uh, four month olds,
2: but uh, ho- hopefully not. No, you know, um, I was doing some some research for this because that's what responsible pundits do. Oh, here we go. And uh, I found a Harris Interactive poll from 2013. There's nothing from this year that I found that was that was good, but um. Four in five Americans believe parents spanking their children is sometimes appropriate. Um, eight in ten say that parents spanking their children is sometimes appropriate. Nineteen percent believe it's never appropriate. So you're definitely in the majority here. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I was not spanked as a kid. I don't plan to spank my my kids. I, I guess you never know until you, you, you figure out what kind of parent you are in the moment. But... Uh, To me, and I'm not indicting your parenting style because I don't really have strong feelings about it. To me, though, if you're you're making the case that it's a rational decision and not just a fly off the handle, and I think that's a good distinction. You're not just flying off the handle and hitting your kid. You're saying, I'm going to spank you as a form of discipline if this happens, and it's almost like a deterrent is what you're saying.
1: Oh, 100%. By the way, that conversation is had. It's never an immediate thing. It is never like, I, I, and, and some do get I'm sure. over. Yeah. Get, yeah. Or grab by the arm and, right. and pull over. No, no, no. In fact, uh, we have a conversation going in and out of it. You know what's going to happen now? And, and, and why right, is it happening?
2: But so that uh, that leads me to wonder if it's that deliberate and rational, why not pick some other kind of punishment? Is it that you think spanking is just the scariest, most effective deterrent? Yeah, or, I mean,
1: timeouts are part of the arsenal as well, right? But right. A, a spanking is a progression from a timeout. If you go to your timeout and you continue to act like a banshee and you throw your body around and scream and cry while you're in timeout or continue to do the thing that got you into timeout, well, there's another step. There's an escalation.
2: But I just wonder in life, what lesson What lesson are you teaching? Because I, I like to think that everything that happens in childhood is a lesson for to prepare you for later in life. And I would worry that it teaches your kids... Sometimes hitting is appropriate. Sometimes adults can hit appropriately. And I don't know that I believe that in in like later life. I mean, I guess in self-defense, but that's certainly not what's going on here. Well, so I just I'm not sure what 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 lesson you're communicating to your kid other than don't do that. Sometimes hitting is is appropriate.
1: Well, A, I think sometimes hitting is appropriate, so I wouldn't just draw uh, and you just laid out one of the reasons, self defense, but I mean I wouldn't just draw a circle and go hitting is never appropriate. That just wouldn't be a lesson that I'd want to teach. But but the, the other is um you're just teaching, don't do this. You know, it's not there's no reasoning sometimes at age three. It's this yeah. is this this is an, a forbidden behavior. And this I is I just what think happens.
2: there are probably other ways to do it. But I don't know. I'm not a parent yet. I'll let you know in a couple years.
1: All right. Well, let's talk about you and your parenting when we come back on Kane and <laughs> Cup.
0: You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. Will Kane S E Cup R. Kane and, Cup. Kane and Cup, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to Kane and Cup. I'm messy Cup in DC,
1: and I'm Will Kane in New York City.
2: So, Will, you know I'm going dove hunting today. Yes, I t- I invited you to come, but I guess because it doesn't involve sharks, you're not interested.
1: You will soon learn this. What it had to do with why I couldn't make the dove hunt, which I would love to have done is having two children and a wife and having only limited times you can have um, go swim with sharks at type activities, right? I'm going to be away for the weekend. <laughs> I'm going to go swim with sharks. Uh, and, and by the way, two weeks after that, I'm going to be shooting Dove in Maryland.
2: <laughs> um, No, I understand. But I wrote about I wrote about um the experience of being pregnant and still wanting to participate in hunting and fishing and outdoor activities this week on CNN.com. And it's been quite an experience. Um, You know, phone calls to my doctors. I've talked about it before to ask, can I can I go trout fishing in Wyoming at five and a half months pregnant? Things that are not covered in baby books. Right. Um, Can I go dove hunting at seven and a half months pregnant? Which, by the way,
1: that's a gray area. Right, I mean, like he, it he, is. Here I am. I I preach the parenting of hard love and and rub dirt on it and <laughs> um and and I think I don't know. I don't know if you go dove hunting. I know you're about this to do is, it, but
2: so. this is exactly the point. This is why I wrote that story on CNN.com because I consulted baby books. Baby books, which by the way told me whether or not I could play football while pregnant, as if that's a thing that women do. Seems intuitive, but nothing. You you cannot. <laughs> but nothing on hunting or even firing a gun. Hunting, by the way, is something that three million women in this country do. And I just found it uh, astonishing that this this was not a thing that was covered. I looked online. There wasn't a lot. I called my doctors, of course. And they also were kind of like, I don't know. Uh, what does that involve? It sounds okay. Do it in moderation. Just be careful. Well, I'm learning I'm learning that a lot of this is about my instinct and trusting my instinct, a woman's, woman's intuition, instincts that have been honed over, over millennia, um, and, and, and recognizing that in this long checklist of resources that we have from doctors to moms to friends to the internet to mommy blogs to baby books, I don't know why our instinct is like the last thing we consult. In fact, I, I plan to make that the first thing I consult as as often as I can. And what I'm learning, I'm segueing right now. What I'm learning is that the same is true in a search for a nanny. I am looking for nannies right now because eventually I will have to go back to work. I can't, I, I can't afford to to not work. So I'm I'm going to be returning to work after my baby's born, and we'll need a nanny. And I'm learning that there is really no good way to ensure that you get a good nanny. And a lot of this is just instinct. I um I checked I checked some blogs. Mhm. And I got a checklist. This is this is according to a blog called What to Expect. You know, like what to expect when you're expecting. Here's what to look for in a nanny. One, she looks put together. What? I don't know. What does that mean? I mean, I'm not going to hire someone that's like, that comes in in shorts and an undershirt.
1: <laughs> I couldn't be your nanny. <laughs> Those kids would be disciplined, I'll tell you that. But
2: I I don't know. How how put together does she need to look? I don't know what that means. Another one. Come, in-
1: yes, you do. Everybody knows no, what No,
2: I don't. I don't. What? I don't care what she's wearing.
1: Put together. I really
2: don't. You know, you, you, like what? Not I half. guess I don't want her to
1: smell bad. Yeah, and a shirt half tucked in, breadcrumbs on her belly. I mean, put together, you know, sock one up, one down. Although that's a she. You call that flossing? Um, oh I don't know. Put together.
2: But another one is interacts well with your child. I don't. I don't have one yet. How do I know that she's going to interact well with my child? Yeah, you. Another one. Another one is. Um, does she seem intelligent? I. How intelligent? I don't know. Do I need her to be? Do I need her to have a soaring intellect? Is that important? I I don't... uh, 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 What? What? Here's one. Did the two of you have good chemistry? I met with a nanny last week, and I thought we really hit it off. But can I tell you I'm going to confess something that might make people not like me? But I don't care. (laughs) And we've talked about this before. We've talked about how, like, I'm unfriendly with my neighbors and... Um I don't like talking to people.
1: <laughs> I don't like people in general. <laughs> Somebody give this lady a microphone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Put that woman on the air. <laughs> um one of my main concerns is like I don't want her to be too chatty. I Do
1: you think what that's mean? no. Uh, um while I'm happy to kick you in the shins on your unfriendliness on any given topic. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually don't fault you for that. Um there is a fine balance between friendship and employment. There is a uh-huh. fine balance between stay yeah. and go. So, when um, you come yeah. home from the end of the day and the shift is over, or in my case, my wife and I have never had a nanny, but we've had babysitters. And the truth is, like when you come home after going to dinner or whatever it may be, let's say it's eleven thirty at night, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to hang out and talk to the nanny for a half hour, right, well, You We want to check in. How was it? How did it go? Were there any problems? thank you. Here's your money. Um, a long conversation. Look, it's bedtime for me. That's why I came home. I came home because it's time to go to bed. Right. Right. So we'll see you next time.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah. And in my case, there will be times when I am I am working at home. And so I'll still need the nanny there because I'll be working from home. And, you know, this is a person who's going to be in my house, a person who's taking care of my children. Part of me thinks this person should be like a part of your family you need to you need to um warm up a little bit, but on the other hand, the idea of someone like in my house chatting with me all day i mean makes my skin crawl
1: oh because you're gonna work from home as well yourself. occasionally you know right. i go
2: in uh, sometimes I go into the office i do I, I work in the studio, but sometimes I'm writing at home and sometimes sometimes I will be home, but working, and so I'll need the nanny home while I'm home sometimes. Well, that's
1: essential that that can't be. Uh, and I think you can find somebody who respects that you work from home and not want to talk to you about uh, days of our lives at three o'clock in the afternoon
2: um, well, or, or anything or I mean, or Kierkegaard. I don't care what it is. I don't want to I don't want to talk all day. But that makes me feel terrible. Like you're you're as you're trusting this person to care for your child and you don't want to have a conversation with her
1: Well, about your child. Um, I've never done know. this. I I, I would yeah. love to be a parenting expert on how you pick a nanny, but I've ne- I've never done this. Well, um, it really
2: just feels like a crapshoot. I mean, you can be as you can be as diligent as you can. Ask all the questions. Obviously, I'm checking references. Uh, the one that I found this week that I really liked had worked for a friend. That's always good. Um, I'm doing everything I can, but at the end of the day, you just gotta kind of jump in, trust your instincts, monitor as you go. Right, and and assess. There's just no other way to do this. Well, this and dovetails
1: with our conversation on discipline. I would suggest to you, you have a couple things to weigh. One, do they share your view on discipline? Now, um, mm. for example, I'm not necessarily talking about spanking because while I think it's an appropriate tool, I don't want anybody else doing it. Right? I don't want a nanny doing it. I don't because it's not an immediate right. thing for me. Right? Because it's a this is coming down the line thing. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't need anybody else to administer it. And right. And, and so, but, but still views on discipline, um, you know, expectations of behavior. Now you're, you're going to have a baby. This isn't something you have to deal with for a year or two, but those are important. How loving they are, you know, how, um, what I mean by that is affectionate versus, um, Mm -hmm. just making sure everything gets done, both of which have value. Right. Mm -hmm. And then a third I would suggest is, and, and, uh, I know people who do this, I mean, do you have desires that your child knows another language? Because that can impact who you pick as well. Some suggest that you hire a nanny and only speak Spanish all day to my child. They'll get English when I come home, you know, or whatever, yeah. Mandarin or whatever yeah. you might want. Um, my fact well, yeah, is.
2: I mean, that's an added benefit. The The nanny that I'm looking at is Peruvian and she speaks Spanish. And that, that's an added benefit that my my kid might have sort of cultural expansion through the nanny but to me job number 1 is is child care watch my child sure. watch my child as if it's your child
1: hey you know you gave us the stats on um on corporal punishment i'd just be curious yeah. what percentage of parents today use a nanny hmm i mean i th- i think much more prevalent right when i was growing up i didn't know anyone that used a
2: nanny um no neither did i but that i, I don't know if this is because uh, or why but most women I knew most moms I knew growing up were stay-at-home moms.
1: Right, right.
2: So I don't know. I can try and find that though. I have a computer in front of me.
1: Okay, I'm busy looking for hairstyles. Where are you
2: on? What about what? Where are you on? Um, like nanny cams? Absolutely. I I already have cameras in my house. um, Why not? I don't understand for security reasons. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I I don't know. Privacy. This is my home. (laughs) I mean.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. So I already I already have the cameras up in in my house before we had before we decided to have kids just for security. So they're there anyway. And I feel like just telling telling the nanny you will be there are cameras everywhere in the house. Just be be advised.
1: Well, listen, we're having a conversation about how far you'd go with your child. There is also a conversation to be had uh, about how far you'd go for a pet. And I need to warn you about something. I'm gonna be outraged in about fourteen minutes. When oh, we come I'm back excited for that. on Kane and Cup.
5: <laughs> You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Kane and Cop on the Blaze Radio Network. Doctor, is the squirrel going to live?
3: There's been massive trauma. We could, of course, try to save him, but it would be costly, difficult, and we'd have to send away for some special, really tiny instruments. Well,
4: uh, are there any other options? We could put him to sleep. What might that cost? Well, it's by the pound, so about 80 cents. Well,
3: I was just
4: I'm curious, that's all. <laughs> we, uh, we'd like you to do everything possible. He, um,
3: he's not going to be the same, you know.
2: Yeah,
4: yeah, I, <laughs> I know.
2: <laughs> that was your Seinfeld clip of the, of the week. When I heard this story that I'm about to tell you about, that's, that's the first thing I thought about. George hits a squirrel, and his girlfriend at the time really wants him to save the squirrel. And so they take it to the hospital and then of course George is left in charge of its its recovery. <laughs> um I read this story coincidentally George the goldfish developed uh a tumor out of his head. It wasn't a brain tumor but it was a tumor that grew out of his head. This goldfish, I'm looking at a picture of it right now. It's about 6 inches long. Uh and and living in Melbourne, Australia. And the family, I guess, really cared about this goldfish, so they spent $200 on some very serious surgery to get this goldfish back to normal.
1: $200.
2: $200. Pretty affordable also, surgery. Yeah, not, unaf- not una- una- unaffordable, but um, listen to what this surgery entailed. Obviously, when you're going to have surgery, even if you're a goldfish, you have to be knocked out. So they knocked the fish out using three buckets of anesthesia.
1: Three buckets?
2: Yeah, one with the initial dose of of the anesthetic, another with the anesthetic given to keep the fish asleep throughout the surgery, and one with clean water where the fish would recover. During surgery, a tube ran from the maintenance bucket, where the anesthetic was being oxygenated, into the goldfish's mouth. (laughs) The anesthetic-filled water ran over George's gills while the doctor removed the tumor.
1: I so badly want to mock this. I so badly want to mock somebody who would spend so much on such a... Not
2: a pet. A lesser creature?
1: An insignificant pet.
2: (laughs) But... The doctor then had to use a gelatin sponge to control the bleeding during surgery.
1: (laughs) But you know I'm not immune. I can't do it because I have had a fish funeral.
2: And And then there were four... There were four sutures. Four I'm done. Sutures.
1: <laughs> I'm not talking about over a toilet bowl either. I've I had know. to go to a park and bury a fish and have a little. Service. But you
2: did that for your child. Had you don't had have- you and your wife alone owned fish? You would have given that fish a toilet funeral. Yes.
1: Absolutely. But.
2: <laughs> what if it had a tumor?
1: Well, that being said, um, I had a dog for 12 years and he was my best buddy and I no one cared about their dog more than I cared about my dog and but he was still a dog and I knew it and so he didn't get table food we didn't do all that stuff he got dog food good dog right. food like Iams, right. you know not like kibbles and bits uh, I right but okay. we didn't do all this like pretend like he's a human thing and um, and when it came to the end of his life You know, you spend all your money on your pets in the last six months of their life. They're extremely Mm -hmm. affordable for a decade. Mm -hmm. And the last six months is when all your money goes away. Yeah. And I was no different than anybody else. That dog got acupuncture. He got (laughs) everything he needed. No matter what it was, if it bought a week, I spent it.
2: Yeah. I had a dog when I was growing up too, a little Shih Tzu, and he was... uh. Like, tethered to a leash outside in our front yard, um, being happy, running around. He was small, so we, we kept him leashed. And uh, he's barking away, and all of a sudden, I'm about 13, barking away, all of a sudden, no barking. And we look out front, and there is a 200-pound Dalmatian.
1: Wow. Well, that's a big
2: Breathing, Dalmatian. breathing over him. And my dog is on its back, uh huh, not moving. Oh. So, we run out. The dog is being controlled by an eight-year-old on rollerblades. So, not controlled at all.
1: The Dalmatian.
2: The Dalmatian. My dog is in shock. And, uh, luckily, we lived right behind a, a vet. So, I scoop up the dog and I run next door to the vet, essentially. Wait, time
1: out. Your dog's in yeah. shock? He hasn't been bitten?
2: So I don't. I can't see anything on the dog. The dog is not moving. He's breathing, but not responding to anything. He's on his back, and I don't see any blood. Okay. Rush him to the vet. He has been bitten. Both his lungs are punctured, oh. and there's internal bleeding. Um, but the bite was so quick that it didn't. It, there was no external bleeding. It just punctured the inside. Of all of his little organs, he's a Shih tzu. He was like eight pounds. Mm. Um, he recovered, but it was—he was in the hospital for like two weeks, and he recovered, and he lived another like eight years. But I'm, not, I'm in that moment. My God, you'll do anything. I was hysterical. Mm-hmm. You'll do anything, whatever it takes. I would like to put dogs though in a separate category. Dogs are in their own category of pet, right? Yes. And then I guess cat, if you're a cat person, would have to be next. They're not in the same category. Oh, I, I'm not disagreeing. I'm saying if you like cats, which I don't, if you like cats, they'd have to be somewhere up there. And yeah. then it's like goldfish, hamsters, birds. Am I wrong? Uh, Snakes, turtles.
1: Right. Yeah. Goldfish are at the bottom, by the way.
2: Goldfish are at the bottom. What's below yeah. goldfish? Squirrel. Spider? pet spider
1: i don't know hey uh you (laughs) came into this this segment with uh um a seinfeld clip about a squirrel we're gonna leave it with this i have a buddy who's asked this question to me several times and the question is this where are the dead squirrels where are they not the ones that get hit by cars the world is full of squirrels you see them all the time they're running through the streets they're running up and down the trees they die where are they
2: what are you talking about? What do you mean? They're in the woods. They're decomposing. Have
1: you ever seen a naturally dead squirrel body? Didn't get hit by a car?
2: In the woods? Of course. No,
1: you have not. No one has. Yes, I have. No. They're like... They're yes, like,
2: I have. H- they're and like haven't fairies. You ever they just disappear
1: at the end of their life.
2: Haven't, didn't you ever dissect owl pellets as a kid?
1: Well, Whatever. If you have seen them, there's not there's not a proportionate number of squirrel <laughs> corpses to squirrel bo- squ- alive squirrels running out there. <laughs> They must go Maybe in the tree. Maybe they're like
2: dogs and they go, they go somewhere, you know, hidden to die.
1: All right, conservatism, media, and my <laughs> outrage. We're going to get this thing on a serious track, I think, when we come back on Kane & Co.
0: this is Kane and Cup part of the next generation of talk radio on the
5: Blaze Radio Network
0: you're listening to Kane and Cup
1: Welcome back to Cain and Cup. I'm Will Kane. I'm Essie Cup. All right. So, I got a little burr under my saddle, and it's one that oh. uh, all of you have had, I know, because we've had this conversation before, but it just became so readily apparent to me this week that conservatism in the mainstream media is an abnormality, like a special case. Maybe even an affirmative action case.
2: Like a novelty.
1: A novelty. Let me give you a couple examples of what I'm talking about. Well, First of all, uh, the new season of The View launched this week. I believe it was this week. Um, And Nicole Wallace is the resident conservative that sits on that panel. And in her introduction to the audience, she made a point of saying, I am a Republican, and something I'm sure she was encouraged to say. The assumption clearly is, well, everyone else is normal, but I am a Republican. No one else has to declare their political allegiances so the other
2: three didn't 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 say where they come down politically. no,
1: they don't give their ideology, they don't give their political point of view, they don't give their party affiliation, but for the conservative, for the Republican, that should be announced because it's clearly a primary personality characteristic
2: that's the thing that makes her interesting
1: that makes you what you are
2: even though that's half the country
1: that's beside the point oh okay, in this realm, it's an abnormality okay. And that's not the only example of this. It's, I was, I told you, I was flipping through the channels the other day, uh, at nighttime, and I was, I don't know, I was watching the Thursday night football game. That's what it was, and I was flipping around because it was a terrible game. And I saw this, um, this on the TV guide thing. Uh, the, it said great conversations, and I'm like, oh, what, did, what's that? I've always had <laughs> the, the, you can dupe me into thinking two people are having a great conversation very easily. I'm like, I want to be a part of that. I'm going to click on. And I was like I don't recognize this channel so there was some skepticism it's like New newyorkcitytv.gov some public oh, access boy. right right
2: like Wayne's world
1: yes cable access owned but but operated by the city of new york right so it's 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 a government funded public access channel and right. I'm like who is this great conversation so I clicked on it and I could see immediately it was uh john uh, uh congressman uh john lewis uh um, oh uh huh And because this is public access, you know, I'm like – it sits on a one-shot on him for like 13 minutes, and I have to wait to see (laughs) – I'm sitting there The – first of all, it's not a conversation because no one else is speaking. (laughs) And second, I would like to know who's on the other side of the table because I want to see who is having this great conversation. So I wait and wait and wait, and finally they take a two-shot or switch over to the other person, and it's Rachel Maddow. Mm. And it's Maddow – And John Lewis having a conversation. Of course the conversation they're having. Was it great? Was it great? No, (laughs) clearly. (laughs) And it was not apolitical either. It was very political about voting rights, about the Voting Rights Act, about all of these different things that you would think a great conversation would entail some level of uh, back and forth on. But But beyond all that, I just sat there and thought, Rachel Maddow interviewing a Democratic congressman on a public access government funded channel. You would never see. A corollary of that, you would never, ever, ever see on public television, um, you know, Sean Hannity interviewing Ted Cruz, or or even Brett Baer interviewing Ted Cruz, or whoever. Right? Rachel Maddow is not an apolitical figure, and and you just never, ever, ever would see the corollary. And it's just getting so pervasive to me that, especially this week, from top to bottom, we are we are preached. And shown mm. and preaching isn't actually the best, most effective mechanism It's simply showing right acting in a certain way. We are normal. You are conservative. You are Republican. And you can't escape it. You can't escape it. It is ever, ever present.
2: Yeah. You know, I was having this conversation with someone um, recently about sponsorships. Someone approached me about, um, you know, a sp- sponsorship opportunities like Essie, wouldn't you wouldn't you like to to get a sponsorship for like an eye an eyewear company or something? And, you know, these are not things I, I actively try to pursue, but they're interesting ideas. I say sure. And then there's a there was a conversation about, well, because you're conservative, that might pose an added challenge. There's no
1: might to that. It's gonna be
2: a mess. No, it definitely challenge. would. But it wouldn't for someone who is as liberal and as publicly political on the liberal side as I am on the conservative side, there would be no challenge right none none
1: what is the conservative but equivalent? let me just
2: point out once again let me just point out once again half the country right we represent half the country it just at least it doesn't it doesn't make sense at least right in some years it's more. It doesn't make sense that we would still be treated after all this time like a novelty when we hold views that at least half the country also holds.
1: Where is the conservative uh, equivalent of Russell Brand? Who is the and maybe there is an answer to this. Who is the incredibly famous and talented um, actor, comedic or dramatic, who is is openly political and antagonistically political. As Russell Brand is the answer. I mean, I know Gary Sinise is conservative. Um, no, 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 but nothing no. like I mean, that, right? No,
2: no, because I wouldn't even. Russell Brand isn't even like, uh, like Ben Affleck. I mean, he represents an extreme, right, correct, an extreme liberal point of view that I don't think is shared by most liberals, even. And so, you'd have to find someone really, really. Well, extreme on the right.
1: Jose just uh, got in my ear and said, uh, would it, how about John Voight?"
2: John Voight's Republican. I wouldn't consider his his Republican views to be extreme the way Russell Brands are extreme. Russell Brands a, a communist. I mean, Russell Brand he certainly is like does, right, right but even i I don't think he's represented representative of liberalism, but even
1: even setting aside how extreme he is an ideology, how combative and open he is about sharing it, you know what I mean yeah yeah you you learn things like Gary Sinise is conservative or John Void is conservative. I just don't feel like it's like no fifty percent of what they do no and, sh- and
2: will let me tell you I have been there's a group james I woods worked.
1: he's very active on Twitter, maybe James woods, I don't know he
2: Is uh he is. I I I there there's a group I won't mention the name. It's a secret group. They meet in secret in Hollywood. I've been to this. some of these meetings with a number of Hollywood celebrities who are conservative, don't want to be out conservative. And some of the names in those meetings would probably surprise you. Um A-listers, B-listers, C-listers,
1: But they're secret, and that's amazing to me. They are
2: secret. They are secret meetings. And the other side
1: of the equation is just so – how about this, Essie? This week also I saw this clip. Now, um, HuffPost Live did an interview with with Viggo Mortensen. Um, I'm a big Viggo Mortensen fan. I love History of violence, Eastern Promises, great movies, great actor. And then he goes on HuffPost Live, and he says this about Fox News.
3: I take an interest. I I do – listen to Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and Mike Savage, and I do watch Fox News once in a while. I can only take small doses of it because it's so (laughs) appallingly shallow and manipulative. I think there's more of an effort to deal with facts, even if you maybe... uh, There are sins of omission and so forth on the left as well. It's generally not as brazen uh, a form of lying as you get from Fox
1: I just feel like it's it's inescapable.
2: Yes. Like- you know what? But that's so boring. What a boring point of view. What a retread hackneyed boring, lazy point of view from someone out of Hollywood. Like I expect Hollywood people to be creative and interesting. The fact that Vigo Mortensen thinks Fox lies is like the least interesting soundbite I've heard from a Hollywood celebrity in a really long time. <laughs> right? Remember, do you remember a couple years when Adam Levine, the lead singer of Maroon 5, said something to the effect of, I don't want any Fox viewers to be listening to my music. Yeah,
1: I do remember that. Yes.
2: And I just thought... Wow, that's that's incredible. Like, you're in the business of, you're, you're a capitalist, 100% you're a capitalist. I don't care if you're also, you consider yourself an artist, that's great. You're a capitalist. You're in the business of selling your music. And you don't care if the viewers of the most popular cable news network in the country, millions of them, buy your record. You're willing to insult all of them. You know, here's here's the real
1: coup de grace. See? It's it's not only that the, the mainstream aspects of our culture and media are openly of one political ideology. It's not just that you can't escape it. It's not just that it's accepted as the mainstream from the view to public television. It's not just that any f- expressions of conservatism are treated as novelties or abnormalities. It is also that those, in many, many cases... Those outlets that do express the other point of view must be silenced. Rush Limbaugh, there is an effort right now to again go after his sponsors. Today, there's an ongoing effort right now to silence him. We yeah. know there's been the Fairness Act, literally a government legislation to suggest that well, for every conservative voice on whatever small mediums you have existence on, radio, for example, there must be a left uh, point of view corollary. You know what I mean? It's, it's not only do you get to own – the
2: the, the the most prevalent and open voices, you must silence those who disagree no, with you. No, but that's, yeah, that's the difference between the left and the right. The, the, the left's response to conservative points of view is the fairness doctrine. Oh, the right's response to liberal media is Fox News. It's more, it's more voice, more speech, not less speech. No one on the right tried to silence MSNBC just a couple months ago. George Will's column was taken away.
1: Oh jeez, right.
2: Right? I mean we covered that story. So the left's the left, which is this undying preaching love for the first amendment. No. The that's first false. instinct is to silence. And on the right, we meet speech that we disagree with with more speech. That's how Fox News came about. There was this dearth of conservative media and so we said instead of trying to silence the left's media, we added and very successfully.
1: Yeah, and then you suggest that the, that is shallow lying and needs to be silenced. Um, <laughs> I'm outraged.
2: You're so interesting, Vigo. You are so interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm so outraged.
2: <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. You don't get worked up easily.
1: Right. Hey, Jonas Miller on Twitter told me that Will Kane just blew my mind. Where's squirrel paradise? Where are the squirrel <laughs> cemeteries? He said don't elephants go to graveyards to die my only reference for that is the Lion King so it might not exactly be factual but
2: I don't know take a walk in the woods dude maybe you've been in new york city for too long
1: no that's not it no no all right we got to take a break in the meantime you go for a walk in the woods tell me how many squirrels you count we'll be back on <laughs> Kane and Cup
5: You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network cop on the blaze radio network
1: so you're telling me this um dead squirrel thing it's a thing right
2: well it's you're not the only one to ask the question which absolves you a little bit of the ridiculousness of the question it's a thing it's a thing i i googled um where are dead squirrels <laughs> And Heaven. on a Yahoo Answers question board, where do dead squirrels' bodies go? It's like this person was reading your mind. Yes. And she says, today my yard was teeming with birdies and squirrels. And it occurred to me, I wonder what happens to them when they die. What happens to their bodies? Where do they go? And someone wrote back that scavengers like crows... Ravens and coyotes will eat the carrion of relatively fresh carcasses. There's another question on the straight dope message board. Where do squirrels go to die? That feels a little more existential than the first one. (laughs) Where do they go to die? And he writes, I have at least a half dozen squirrel nests up in my trees right now, and I see the little guys running around every day cleaning up the acorns in the yard. One thing I have not seen other than roadkill. Is a dead squirrel lying exactly. about? Exactly. There have to be some old squirrels around. Yeah, that's, know, that's another, another
1: good question. Where are the old squirrels? <laughs> right? <laughs>
2: And I would think that some could die during a deep freeze if they're weaker. So where are they? Do I have corpses up in my trees waiting for the crows and hawks to clean up?
1: Exactly. Are my trees (laughs) filled with squirrel corpses?
2: That's what I want to know. The the ratio
1: of live squirrels to squirrel corpses is not equivalent to, say, a bird or a possum or an armadillo. I see the dead armadillos and the dead possums laying around, At at least in greater proportion to the ones I see running around live.
2: He said, do old squirrels run out into the woods when they know that the end is near? It's like this guy is in your head.
1: Well, let's bring the audience in on this. Um, One John Goodwin on Twitter.
2: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I know him.
1: You do? You know him?
2: I know him, yeah.
1: Yeah. He said dead squirrels get eaten. I think that's probably a little too correct and rational for this conversation.
2: (laughs) Um, Yeah, for for the audience, that's my husband. And uh, (laughs) he had the same reaction I did. What are you talking about? They get eaten. <laughs> but you're, you, you, you—I stand corrected. You're not alone in this question. Can People I tell you something else? As long where as are this, all the dead squirrels?
1: As long as we're just veering left and right and off the road on this show, can I just—I <laughs> uh, lo- want another something? Somebody tweeted me uh, uh, regarding the giving your pets an, an orthodox or bo- money-bottomless uh, medical treatment at the end of their lives on cats, mm-hmm. dogs, and so forth, right? And goldfish. Mm-hmm. Some Liz of the '90s tweets me that she gave her Goldfish antibiotics, but when that didn't work, he went in the freezer. I don't get the freezing what? of the pets either. This is what, why. Why the freezer? My wife's family frez, froze the cat for a long time after he passed, as though that's what? a loving act. I don't understand putting your pets in the freezer. That's a common I don't thing. Either. That's that's a thing. That's a thing. What? I'm telling you. Yes.
2: No, that's weird. Google that's that. weird. That's and that's like taxidermying your pets too. That's weird too.
1: That's a thing. Also, Google that freezing your pet. Um... <laughs> When we come back, Joe Biden's old timey racism. Why does he get away with it? On Kane and Cup.
5: You're listening to Kane and Cup,
0: part of the next generation of talk radio, on the
5: Blaze Radio Network.
0: Are. Kane and Cuff only on the Blaze Radio Network
2: Welcome back it was quite a week for the vice president not one but two examples of old-timey racism from Joe Biden It what's amazing about Joe Biden I mean we all remember his racist Gaffes from the past <clears throat> decade. Um, talking about... Indian going store owners. In, yeah, going into a Seven Eleven, and only hearing an Indian accent. Um, talking about... Barack Obama. Senator Barack Obama as, you know, one of the first clean and articulate... <laughs> Um, presidential candidates, not good, not good. What's great about Biden is that he's not, he's not just a racist. He's a racist of a certain era. He's almost like a time capsule. His, his racism is like squarely stuck in the 1950s. Um, here's what he said this week. There were two, two totally separate incidents. (laughs) Um, You have one of these and you'd imagine it would make you a little bit wary of what you say. Not Biden, not Joe Biden. The first one came in a speech he was giving about going to going to Singapore. And, well, take a listen.
3: You know, on the way back from Mumbai to go meet with President Xi in China, I stopped in Singapore to meet with a guy named Lee Kuan Yew who most foreign policy experts around the world say is the most, the wisest man in the Orient.
2: <laughs> in the Orient. In the Orient. That. that
1: <laughs> well, That's slightly off. That's not completely off, right? You so so the, the common mistake <laughs> many make is they say they refer to people as Oriental. Uh-huh. And that's incorrect. Rugs are Oriental. But yeah. the Orient is still technically a region, right? So he's not— it's, it's, it's a saying to avoid. Is it? Yeah. Well, what's funny about that clip, and I, it, it, the clip <laughs> yeah. wasn't quite long enough for me to place it, but it reminded me of, like, uh, a movie and a character somebody's playing where every sensitive word he approaches, he utters with extra emphasis. Uh-huh. So I was in Mumbai Mumbai, (laughs) meeting with President Kwan Lee (laughs) and people there say he's the most uh, the most intelligent guy in the Orient.
2: (laughs) I think Biden was very proud of his experience going to Mumbai and meeting with President Xi and um, then going on to Singapore and meeting the wisest man in the Orient. He was very proud of this experience. But. You know, look, Asian people will tell you that that is a, an offensive, inoffensive an term. I, I, I I'm don't not know.
3: Sure
2: I, that. I, I I don't know, but I would avoid it if I were a politician. But that wasn't that wasn't the only racist gaffe of the week for old timey racist Joe Biden. Joe My Biden was attorney
3: general yeah. here in Iraq came back, and that's one of the things that he finds is was most in need when he was over there in Iraq for a year. People would come to him and talk about what was happening to him at home in terms of foreclosures, in terms of bad loans that were being, I mean, these Shylocks who took advantage of uh, of these women and men all mm. over.
2: Shylocks. That's offensive to Jewish people, in case you don't know. It's a, it's a Shakespearean reference. I yeah, don't but OK. So, <laughs> but so even you saying that,
1: in case you don't know, I'm not with you 100% on either of these. I don't think I think Joe Biden is operating in edgy territory, but not clearly wrong territory, at least not commonly commonly known to be wrong territory. Like, because even you made I'm not the caveat. Saying Joe
2: Biden needs to be like fired. I'm just saying that these are two examples of old-timey racist terms that you don't hear often because they've been retired. <laughs> they've been retired from public use. And a guy in a public know. position with a history of racist gaffes should probably be aware, there should be a list pinned to his desk of words to avoid.
1: But you know, I didn't know Shylock was a uh, offensive term either. I didn't know that. Uh, and you, I think... I'm not alone. Clearly, you just said if you didn't know there are a lot. Of but people- I'm saying
2: you wouldn't know because it's not been used in like 40 years. People don't use those terms anymore because they were offensive, because they were retired. They're just out of use. Well, his- it's not that it's so obscure. It's that no one uses it anymore. Okay. Because everyone agrees it's racist and don't use it. <laughs> no, no, I'm not sure everybody does agree. That's the point,
1: Not because not everybody even knows. By the way, I think it's interesting how many words are either in or out or inappropriate or appropriate, depending upon your regional proximity to the target class. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like moving yeah. up here. um, had this extended conversation with some of the guys at work over uh, on the crew uh, at Real News about the offensiveness of various words for Polish people, right? But I never knew those were offensive. And growing up in Texas, like, it's not a huge uh, Polish population, right? So, right. So uh, a word that would be uh, presumed offensive to them wasn't... It's not that we never even heard the word we did. We just didn't even know it was offensive. Well, I didn't, right. I didn't know that's offensive. It's not... Right. There's no derogatory attachment to that word. You see right. what I'm saying? Right. Anyway.
2: But you have an excuse. The Vice President of the United States should know by now that there are certain words... He shouldn't say if he doesn't want to get in trouble. But here's the thing. Here's what makes Joe Biden fascinating. He doesn't get in trouble.
1: That is fascinating.
2: He does not get in trouble. I was reading a National Journal um, story on this, and it was called Why Joe Biden's Gaffes Don't Matter. And it was attempting to explain this, and I don't think very well. Generally, I like I like National Journal. Um, they do a pretty good job. I, I'm not buying this. What they say is... Research shows that news media tends to overhype gaffes. Despite saturated coverage of politicians' misspeaks, according to the U.S. Project, they ultimately don't make much of a difference in elections. Um, I beg to differ. I beg to differ. I think the news media tends to overhype gaffes, but they absolutely have made a difference in Republican elections. I think George Allen... Would agree that it made a difference in his election.
1: Well, and that's a great when
2: it was revealed that he called someone a macaca.
1: Yeah, that's a great parallel. A derogatory because that's, term. That's old timey and obscure as well.
2: Right. I think it mattered for Trent Lott, who said that Strom Thurmond would have made a great president. Trent Lott had to abandon his his post. I think it mattered a lot what people said, and this isn't race, but when Todd Akin and Richard Murdoch said what they said. I think that mattered a lot in their elections. So, so I think the media treats Joe ba- what Joe Biden says as gaffes and what Republicans say as de- seated indictments. Things. Well yeah,
1: deep de- seated feelings that you're accidentally letting show, right? Oops, your racism well, it, is showing.
2: It, right? Exactly. So so I don't buy that this is uh, the National Journal is trying to make this sort of like a um a commentary. An apolitical commentary on gaffes writ large.
1: Well, I'd say two things.
2: I would argue that gaffes by Democrats are treated a lot differently than gaffes by Republicans. That
1: is certainly true. Okay. That is certainly true. And that's one explanation for why Joe Biden gets away with it. I think there's a second. And I think Joe Biden's personality simply... lets him get away with these things. He has a personality and a demeanor a little bit like I was talking about earlier where he's like, you know, emphasizing every sensitive word, every potentially uh, landmined word he goes into not just tiptoeing but running headlong into them. That There's mm-hmm. something brash and I am what I am to his, to his personality yeah. that makes it um, almost endearing. Oh, and we all know this. It's the Uncle Joe thing, right? It's, oh, Joe.
2: But don't you think that's more... I don't I don't know that it's personality. Just a, it's just generational.
1: It's okay, so it's generational personality. The point is it's not only his party affiliation.
2: Well, I agree. I agree. There's something you know, Joe likable. Joe is likable. People like Joe. I like Joe Biden. Um
7: hmm. I well, think
2: I, I think part of it's his personality, but part of it is generational. It's what you said. You said, I don't know, those two don't bother me because you don't have an association with those words. Right. You're not of his generation. You dismiss him as some old timer who's harmless, maybe stuck in the past using some old timey words that you don't have any association with that don't mean anything to you. And I think I think a lot of people probably in the news media today treat him the same. I don't I don't find that to be a good excuse. And I don't think I don't think the media is fair when handling Joe Biden's gaffes versus other people's gaffes.
1: All right, quickly, I know somebody who doesn't find Joe likable, Joe Biden likable. That's Reginald in Staten Island. Reginald.
3: Oh. Yeah, hey, this is Reginald from Staten Island. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. Listen, I'm Mr. Kane. I, I, I listen to you all the time, but I tell you what I dial in for is SD. You're- <laughs> okay.
2: Aw, uh, that is so sweet. Thank you.
3: You know, I tell you, I was a big fan of uh, The Apprentice from the early days, and and Bill Rancic. I, I think I think you and Bill Rancic make a great couple, and the baby's beautiful. And I, I I'm just a huge fan.
1: What are we what? talking about?
3: What? She's
1: what? not she's not engaged to Bill Rancic or married to Bill Rancic. Bill
3: Bill, Bill Rancic from from The Apprentice. He's from the early days.
1: No, he's with Juliana. Uh, whatever. Rancic. <laughs>
3: what
1: was her? From the E.
2: This is S E Cup.
1: This is, awesome. oh. this is awesome. This is What's awesome.
3: What's
2: happening right now?
1: I don't know. Oh, I'm Reginald. married. No, Reginald. To, but seriously, did you? I'm think married
2: she... to not Bill Rancic. Bill Rancic is married to Juliana Depandi Rancic.
3: Oh.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 That's okay. awesome. That's awesome. I don't know
3: uh, my question then. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Do we need to pivot to Joe Biden? <laughs> Well, no, I was going to ask, actually, if you knew what uh, Kwame was up to, because I was a big fan of him as well on The Apprentice. But now- I don't
1: know. <laughs> Let me, before we go, we got to go to break. Reginald, I wanna, uh, can this you hear
3: amazing. me? Can you hear me, Reginald? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I really don't know what to say.
1: Well, I, that's okay, because what I want to happen here is I want you to call in every week. If you call <laughs> in every week, I will put you on the air. If you call in next week, you'll be on the air. Deal?
3: Well, I, I think I need to listen more then, and, and I'll take my notes.
1: Write down the number, Reggie, and you call in next week. I may devote a whole segment to you next week. All right. Thanks for calling in.
2: Will likes it that someone doesn't know who I am.
1: No, no, no. There's so many layers to that. He's a big fan. He calls in. He's I'm okay, but you are the reason he's listening. And he wishes you luck with Bill and the beautiful child the two of you uh, have created. And how is and how is Kwame? On the apprentice. It's just so many layers of awesomeness to that call. Reggie, always Open invitation. Call in. <laughs> when we come back on Kane and Cup, Essie's trying to decide whether or not she should attend her
0: 20-year reunion. She needs your help. Kane and hey,
2: Cup. it's 15. It's 15. <laughs> Will Kane and Essie Cup.
0: We'll continue in a moment on the Blaze Radio Network. Next generation of talk radio, Kane and Cup, is on.
1: That was an awesome final five minutes of radio where Se could not have been kicked in the shins more times in five minutes than between me and Reggie. Reginald. Reginald, after stating he's a massive fan of Se, wanted to know how her marriage to Bill Rancic was going, and that he's a big fan of The Apprentice. And even after we had called him out on it and told him... She's not married to Bill Rancic, dude. He goes, oh, I guess I can't ask about Kwame from The Apprentice then. <laughs> and then, if that wasn't enough, I aged you five years, honestly by accident, going straight into break, saying, you have some questions about whether or not you should attend your 20-year reunion. And all I heard with the music going to break was somebody yell, 15,
2: it's 15! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not that old.
1: All right, so you're trying to decide not to go to your 15 15- let me repeat that. Well, 15-year 15 15 reunion year for reunion.
2: college, for college. Oh, oh, I
1: thought we were talking about high school. So you are close to your 20-year reunion in high school.
2: Um, One yeah. One year away, yeah. Uh, 20 would be in... I graduated high school in 97, so I've got a couple years, three years. Okay. But I graduated college in 2000, a year oh. early. Um, so, I mean, yeah. 2000? Yeah, so 15 is coming up in 2015. Okay. Um and wait so when would that make my my 20 my 2097 high school yeah it would be 2017 right okay math i can't do math man i cannot do math anyway my 15 year college reunion is coming up and i was having dinner with a college friend um this week And we were talking about getting some of our friends together. We worked on the newspaper together in college and there are a couple people that we still keep in touch with that we'd all like to see. And it's been hard because we're in different parts of the country and it's been hard to get us all together in the 15 years that we've been out of school. And I said, well, maybe we'll just have to all go to the reunion. And that's one way to get us all in the same place. And I just really have zero interest in going to a reunion other than to see, like, this handful of friends that I'd like to see. Because I just think reunions are, like, agonizing. I mean, again, this is not surprising. Someone who doesn't like people. (laughs) Right. At all. There's nothing in a reunion for me. Nothing. There's two reasons to go to a reunion. You go to a reunion to show off. Right. You've you maybe you were kind of a, a loser in high school or college and you feel pretty good about yourself now. So you go to reunion to like show everybody how great you are <laughs> or you go to a reunion to like very pathetically relive glory days. Mm, that sounds like, like Uncle I should,
1: Rico. I actually like that idea.
2: Well, you're Uncle Rico. Like you would go to a reunion and relive like, you Remember know. Yeah, exactly. Glory days, like when you were cool Glory and popular days. and like athletic and
1: I'm all those things still
2: relive all the the moments that made you like super awesome, dude. Uh, and neither of those hold any interest for me.
1: Okay, you go to the reunion. However, there's a couple things we need to distinguish here. We're going to break this down. College reunion, vastly different from high school reunion. At least for me. I've gone to no college reunions. Zero college reunions. But did I you have... like your college? Yeah, sure, sure. But it's just different. I've gone to both my 10 and 20 high school year reunions. Barf! Now, no, well, see. But, okay, let me see if I can sell you on a concept. You and I had very different childhoods growing up, right? You moved a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. You uh, went to school in I don't know how many different towns? Ten? Is that Um, too many? Eleven. 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 I grew up in the same town that I was born in all the way through. I was with the same kids from kindergarten all the way through high school. There was one high school in town. We were all together. Now, Facebook has changed this somewhat, but you go to the reunion out of curiosity and going back to see not just somebody you would have known in high school, but you knew your whole life, and it's fun to go, not just say, where are you now with your life, but there is some of that, can you restrike that same um, sense of humor, that old joke that you had with people that you, and, it, and it's true, you're there to see people that you didn't necessarily keep up with, but there are one or two offs, right? And... Um, for me, that was valuable in high school. I liked that, going back and seeing people from my high school unit. It hasn't held the same allure in college because I don't know everybody at college, right? I had my group of friends and those guys I keep up with.
2: I don't have any curiosity about people I went to high school with. No curiosity. I'm not curious as to where they are. And I assume they're not curious about where I am. I'm just not curious about people I I went to high school with.
1: Don Larkin on Twitter says you should not go. Lots of chatting with people she would not enjoy. (laughs)
2: Yes, exactly. Having the same conversation over and over again. So what are you doing now? Are you married? Do you have kids? Chatting with people that I'm not close with. Just awful. All
1: right, but you need to College
2: ca- I loved. College I absolutely loved. But you're right. I still keep in touch with the friends that I had from college. I don't need to see other people.
1: You don't have the one. For me, I don't have the one-offs and two-offs in college. Like, they were friends. We hung out at some point in our lives. but we, Yeah. All right, quickly, Phil and Marilyn, give us a counterpoint of view. We only got a minute. Should Essie go to the union reunion?
6: Oh, definitely go to the reunion, young lady. You should go there and show them that, even though you're expecting a child or you have children, you're still hot.
2: You <laughs> now, do you up. think that I'm Juliana Rancic, or do you know that I'm Essie Cup? <laughs>
6: no, 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 no. You are Essie Cup. Uh, you are a hot young lady. At least, my oh, thank you, son. Mm-hmm. Who's 17, says you are definitely hot.
2: <laughs> oh, that's really sweet. See, now why do I need to go to the reunion? You just told me. You just made my day.
6: So you got to go there and show to the, uh, the ladies <laughs> the that, ladies. hey, I can do my career. I can do my job. I can live my life. If you can't. All
1: right, that's it. Thanks for the call, <laughs> like Phil. It. So <laughs> embrace the showing off. Embrace the showing off. We'll be back in All just right. a moment on and Cup.
0: You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. Eight eight eight-nine hundred thirty-three ninety-three. Kane and Cup returns now.
1: Welcome back to Candy Cup. I'm Will Kane.
2: I'm S.C. Cup or Juliana Rancic, either one. So awesome. <laughs> so awesome. Um it worries me that you liked that so much. <laughs> that you derived so much pleasure in that.
1: Unending. I'm going to re-listen to that. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> So let's pivot for a minute. I want to ask the audience a question. Um, you can answer us on Twitter at WillKane at at SC SCup. Give us a call, 888-900-3393. Earlier this week, after an amazing amount of buildup, Scotland voted no to secede from the United Kingdom. Now, look, 16 or six months ago, this was, this was uh, an absurdity. I asked our friend Charles Cook of National Review, who's often on Real News, about six months ago, hey, tell me about the Scottish secession. And he blew it off. He's like, it's so st- it's silly. It's not never going to happen. I saw him earlier this week. He said, yeah, uh, we nationalists were a little arrogant about that. <laughs> I think the final vote was 55 to 45, something like that, uh, for staying in the union, Scotland staying with the United Kingdom. But certainly it reflected a strong secessionist movement, whether it was rational or irrational or what motivated it and whether or not it was against their own long-term financial interests or not. It's reflected a strong sentiment in Scotland to stand on its own. Well, not that's an embrace of Braveheart or true current grievances towards the UK. But here's the question I ask you What state, and give me your, I want your top three. What state will be the first, will, would be the first? To form a similar secessionist movement here in the United States, however, one big caveat to this poll—this um, informal poll I'm taking—you may not include Texas in this poll. No, Texas is off the table. It's a runaway, clear number one,
6: <laughs>
1: and I take Texan pride in that fact. But But how do I, but if I answer this question, Texas, give me your top three.
2: But if I answer this question, how do I know if I'm right? How do I win this? See, The
1: beauty is there is no right.
2: (laughs) Oh, I hate that then. (laughs) I'm only interested in winning this question.
1: Uh, Well, it can be. Because I have some answers. I do too. So maybe I will be subjectively judging you and the audience. Oh, well,
2: if you're judging, (laughs) then I'll never win. (laughs)
1: That's life.
2: By the way, Will, I'm a big fan. I love your wife, Tori Spelling. <laughs>
1: Why did you pick her? <laughs> couldn't you
2: pick somebody else? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of, like, two, like, as random people. I'm so mad at you for
1: picking Tori Spelling. Like, it's not even fun to play the game. <laughs> Why couldn't you have picked some? Bill Rancic wasn't an insult.
2: Well... No, but the comparison is I'm Juliana, so you would be Dean McDermott. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. just trying to pick two totally random people.
1: Give me your top three states that would form a secessionist movement, a la Scotland, in okay, this country, excepting Texas.
2: My I have a top three. Number one is Vermont. Really? Oh yeah. Live free or die. Have, uh, Yeah. Vermont has a long history of um sort of independence and there's already a movement in Vermont to secede that's number your two
1: okay that's your number three or number one
2: it's my no yeah I'm going I'm going bottom to top
1: all right that's number three number two
2: number two Alaska Alaska's also got a strong independence movement Todd Palin famously a part of it and my number one, California. Hmm. But not for the reasons you probably think. Not because they're so liberal. There's a top, there's a northern chunk of California, I think it's called Jefferson County, that um for a long time has been fighting for its own independence. And it's not, I wouldn't call it liberal. It's more libertarian than anything else. Um but they've they've been they've been like actively working on that for for quite a while. So that's my top my top 3. My my number 1 is California, number 2 Alaska, number 3 Vermont.
1: All right, your number 2 and 3 are good, your number 1 is weak. There are numerous <laughs>
2: there are, I can't win when Will Kane is judging.
1: <laughs> there are numerous secessionist efforts across this country for fracturing existing states, like you talked about. There are, and there's more than one in the state of California alone, north and south, central yeah. Um, there are counties in Colorado that are looking to see, secede from the, the rest of the state. There there are numerous um, micro-secession efforts going on across the country. But if you're taking states as a whole, who would be the most likely to leave on its own, excepting Texas? Um, I will give you my list. Um, number, th- number three for me would be Montana. Montana okay. has a strong, independent culture. Mm-hmm. Montanans identifying as Montanans. Um, it is a very libertarian state, a very self-reliant government hands-off state. I could see Montana forming some some effort. Number two, I'm going to agree with you, I think Alaska, not only mm-hmm. because it is removed um look it was one, it was it was the second to last state to join. It is physically removed. it has a it has its own independent culture, and for mm-hmm. all those same reasons is my number one, and it is the number one. I think it's mm-hmm. objectively the number one. Hawaii is the number one. <laughs> I mean, there is Hawaii separatist movements going on um, who believe that they were they were um, inappropriately, essentially ex, uh, 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 appropriated by the United States, that they came mm-hmm. in, overturned a kingdom, um, subversively pushed the queen out, and eventually... Invul- uh, and folded it into the United States of America. And there are Hawaiian separatist movements to this day. So I think Hawaii is your is your number one.
2: Well, so I just looked this up, as I am wont to do.
1: Oh, boy. You brought in an expert. Google?
2: Me. I am the expert. I am now the expert because I just looked it up. Uh, according to We the People, the largest petitions for state independence in 2013... Based on the amounts of signature, okay? Okay. Number one is obviously Texas by, by a wide margin. Okay. We had 125,000 signatures in Texas for secession last year. No. The next with 32,000, Tennessee.
1: Now here's a, hold on now. One, one problem with this, with this data you're using. Mm-hmm. It needs to be per capita, right? Science. It can't just be sheer number of signatures because Texas has more people. Hawaii would never bear out in this poll because there's fewer people. It has to be percentage of the population voting to succeed. No,
2: Hawaii is 5th from the bottom. Yeah, well it's false. False. Uh so the top the top are Texas, Tennessee, Alabama, Arizona, and Arkansas.
3: Hmm.
2: California is uh, 12th. Lots of people in California, so that doesn't totally add up. California's 12th. Um, Alaska way down in the middle, 25th maybe. Vermont is last.
1: (laughs) I thought your answer in Vermont was interesting. Just as a Texan, I mean, I never think of Mm -hmm. the northeastern states really on anything. Wanting to leave?
2: (laughs) Just, I don't think of them. Oh.
1: Um. Lady Lady Hakate on... You'd also
2: never met a Polish person.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Lady Hakate on Twitter uh, offers Utah, North Dakota, and California. Now, Lady Blanche, really, a lot of ladies, royalty on Twitter is joining us this morning. (laughs) Lady Blanche says, the wheels just fell off this show. I'm like, they just fell off? Have you been listening?
2: Were they ever on?
1: In the last 15 seconds, it fell off? The show has swerved into the ditch on numerous occasions. <laughs> Let's see in the last 15, 10 to 15 minutes if we can drive this thing down the road straight. Get this thing headed between the yellow lines before Chris Salcedo takes over.
2: I have another I have another poll. See, I have more science.
1: See, that's me trying to rap, and she's swerving as I'm trying to rap. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go to break. Do you want to give the poll quickly?
2: One in four people in the United States open to their state leaving the union. Boom. This
5: is Kane and Cop on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Kane and SC Cup return.
1: All right, in our last couple minutes together, let's play catch up, check in with the audience, revisit a few of the topics, and clean up some loose ends here. So first of all, it took me two and a half hours, but I found the haircut that I asked about when we first opened the show this morning. What is the Latino hairstyle where you trim the edges on the front and sides, but let the rest of the head go long? I found it. I just tweeted it. Found a YouTube video of a guy getting this haircut. It's called a taper and shape up with long hair. Hmm. There it is. Check it out. See do if you, you feel better? I, I do. I feel complete because I was like, "Am I the only one who's seen, or did I find the only guy with this haircut?" And hmm. it's a thing. That's what I need. It's to, a thing. I, I need to know. It's a thing. So you know
2: what, what? You know what else is a thing? What? The Vermont secessionist movement. I found it online. I got to tell you, I am like a. Googling genius today. Googling machine. The second Vermont Republic considers itself perhaps the foremost active secessionist organization in the country. Was on Time Magazine's list of top ten aspiring nations.
1: <laughs> can I admit something? Second
2: second runner-up Alaskan Independence Party. So two of mine. Two of mine. <laughs> and top.
1: I'm right with Hawaii, by the way. But can I admit something? Yeah. Uh, I told you that I don't think of these northeastern states. When you said Vermont. I was thinking New Hampshire, um, and somebody yep. on Twitter said to me, "You know, there's been a secessionist effort yep. since the 1800s in New Hampshire, and that's the live for your die state."
2: Yes, I know. I i didn't i didn't want to correct you. Um, always, All we, the, always correct me. Always correct. Is the is the the state motto of New Hampshire? Vermont New Hampshire. would be a bunch of
1: greenies, right? They're secede, They're looking to secede to be more leftist. Would that be correct?
2: Yeah, Green Mountain State. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um,
2: I can tell you. I mean. I can read from their charter. This nonviolent citizens network and think tank seeks not only to secede from the United States, but to support the dissolution of mega nations like the U.S., Russia and China. Hmm. Anti-war subscribes to principles like political power sharing, economic solidarity and sustainability. You won't be moving to the second Vermont republic anytime soon.
1: No, No. Mm -mm. we all know where I'm going.
2: Texas. If
1: the, if, the, if the effort is successful, I'll, I'll be like Robert Ely. I cannot. I'm sorry. I, I have to. Regardless of how I feel about the reasons or motivations, it's just I have to be I have to go there. That's that's mine.
2: Wait. So if Texas seceded from the union, you would move to the country of Texas?
1: Undoubtedly. With the no hesitation. Wow. No hesitation.
2: So you would no longer be an American.
1: I am I, sorry. I, is, it's like Robert E. Lee. He he didn't. He wasn't into slavery. wasn't his thing, right? He, the, all the reasons the South needed to leave. The, Robert E. Lee didn't feel the, the, he needed to go fight for those reasons. But he's from the South. Where he's from.
2: Well, that's stupid.
1: i <laughs> <laughs> um, cleaning up another Lucian. I mentioned earlier that freezing your pet after death is a thing, right? And I talked about Liz, of, uh, Liz of the '90s. On Twitter, she has clarified for me she didn't freeze her goldfish to preserve him long after death. Mm -hmm. She froze him to euthanize him. (laughs) What? She said it's the most humane way to put a fish down, as opposed to flushing down the toilet. That goldfish, like cold water, you put it in the freezer, they just slow down, and they never wake up.
2: I don't understand. I don't understand. Maybe I'm just not sentimental.
1: You mean... Not cruel. I mean, it's not an issue of sentimentality. It's an issue of cruelty. You say just flush the fish. Fish.
2: I don't think that's cruel. Well,
1: you clearly don't have the heart that Liz does.
2: Yeah, I'm not sentimental. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I saw one on Twitter that was explaining you don't you you freeze the pet because sometimes a pet dies in the winter and you can't bury it. the The grounds too cold. So there you have to it freeze is. it. That makes sense. And, yeah, you have to freeze it until the ground softens up and you can actually bury it.
1: That makes more sense. You're getting Feel a lot better? of advice on Twitter about your reunion?
2: Yeah, good Chris, advice about the reunion. Chris
1: Collada is saying, "Didn't go to my reunion. Figured if I wanted to know how people were doing, I would have been in better contact with them in the first place."
2: No, that's exactly right. If I really cared to know where these people were, I would have made an effort to keep in touch with them. I've, in fact, gone out of my way not to keep in touch with people. Why would I want to go and then run into the people I've been avoiding? And then have, like, these forced conversations over cocktails? No, sorry. No one has yet given me a compelling reason to go to either reunion.
1: I think the best reason is curiosity. Simple I'm not curious.
2: I am not curious.
1: I, I am curious. I wanted to go see how everybody's doing. Um, Ho-
2: and you wanted to show off a little, right? Of course. Well, there's a little of that. A little of that.
1: Did a few extra push-ups. Got a little fake tan going.
2: <laughs> Wore an actual shirt instead of an undershirt, I assume.
1: Holly Homemaker on Twitter sums it all up. <laughs> she says, get this thing on the road. I was thinking that you guys were going to go full Thelma and Louise.
2: Seriously. Seriously. What? I don't know that the show was ever on the yeah, rails. And we have
1: to give Thelma and Louise something. That was intentional. This was just drunk driving through the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stay tuned for Chris Salcedo. He's up next. Essie and I will be back next week. Wish you luck hunting Dove this afternoon, Desi. Thank you. Thank have you, fun. my friend. See Bye. you guys next week.